0: Binge the full week of The Ray Taylor Show ad-free over at InspiredDisorder.com slash plus. This is The Ray Taylor Show. Welcome to The Ray Taylor Show, where I bring you reviews of the latest movies and TV shows, as well as classic and foreign films. I'm your host, Ray Taylor, and on this podcast, I'll be talking about all things film and television. Whether you're looking for a new show to binge or want to know if that blockbuster is worth the trip to the theater, or just want to hear my thoughts on a classic or foreign film, I've got you covered. So join me every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for new episodes, and let's dive into the world of film and television together. On today's episode, we are diving into some television with the new Mike Flanagan miniseries, The Fall of the House of Usher. Came out this year, 2023, as I said, created by Mike Flanagan, the director of many great horror movies and creator of a bunch of amazing horror miniseries, which are all available on Netflix, uh, where this new miniseries is located as well. And one great thing about Mike Flanagan is that he brings along with him all of the great actors that are in all of his movies. And uh, miniseries and is constantly adding to the mix, uh, adding new members. Uh, So a lot of great stars in this one. I'm not going to go through the entire cast. I'm not even going to go through any of the cast because uh, they're all amazing and it's a big cast. Uh, But this this, uh, miniseries, I should say, to secure their fortune and future, uh, two ruthless siblings build a family dynasty that begins to crumble when their heirs mysteriously die one by one. Overall, I unintentionally was preparing for this show quite a bit. Uh, The show itself is based on Edgar Allan Poe's, many of Edgar, or all of Edgar Allen not all of them, but every part of this is based on Edgar Allan Poe's works, writings, poems, uh, stories. And recently, I did a top five episode where I rank movies in a variety of categories that I release on Sundays. I did one, and the topic was Grindhouse Gothic, which were films directed by Roger Corman. They were based on Edgar Allan Poe's work. So, a lot of the stories I am familiar with in film form. Also, last week... I did a top five pre-code horror films, uh, which a few of those were also based on Edgar Allan Poe. So I have been unintentionally watching, preparing for this show that is very much takes a lot of the elements for Edgar Allan Poe's works, blends in his work uh, in this overarching narrative. And then also last October... I did a top five Mike Flanagan films. Uh, so, got to watch all of his movies to rank them. Uh, so, if you want to see how I ranked them, you can look that episode up. I also did episode recaps of two of Mike Flanagan's shows, miniseries uh, Midnight Mass, which was amazing, and The Midnight Club. So, when I saw this show was coming, I was like when I found out he was coming out with a new show, uh, a new miniseries based on Edgar Allan Poe. I was all in. Right. And if you are a fan of any of Mike Flanagan's other movies, miniseries, anything that he's done, you will like this as well. I don't think this is perfect. I don't think this is. Ba- I, I don't know. Like as far as his wor even his worst. Attempts at stuff Are still really good uh, And I really do like The way he tells stories I love the actors that keep keep Coming back to work with him In all these different things Whether it's more short form stuff Like uh, you know Or singular stories Like a, a film A feature film or something that uh, Is a little bit more in depth Like a mini series I think he's amazing Uh, So if you like any of Mike Flanagan's stuff or familiar with, like, Haunting of Hill House, Haunting of Blythe Matter, uh, Midnight Mass, The Midnight Club, uh, and his many films, uh, any of his films that he's done, amazing films, uh, then you will probably like this. Oculus was a great one of his films. Uh, He did a sequel to the Ouija Movie, which was an amazing. i would um, never seen the first Ouija movie, but the sequel is amazing. The one he directed, uh, he's great. I really enjoy it. So if you like any of his stuff, then chances are you're gonna like this as well. Uh, it's kind of a great watch for the Halloween season in October. Uh, this show, I do have some issues with the show. The show isn't perfect, but uh, I do like a lot of the show. One of the aspects of the show is it's told through flashbacks uh, it's and the premise is I very interesting the the main focus the characters this family uh, that is the focus the house of usher as it were uh, kind of makes this show in some ways like succession but horror I've also heard it compared to knives out which I think is probably a little bit better the tonally I think is is closer to knives out but horror. Yep. But right as this, I'm going to get to spoilers, but the beginning of this series, the first thing, one of the first things you see, one of the first things you learn, is that all of these kids are dead. And then this miniseries is going back and finding out how they all died. Each episode, based on a different edgar Allan poe piece each episode we see how uh, a different kid in this family dies and living in the year 2023 where billionaires and wealthy families are destroying the world and in doing so also avoiding all repercussions for their actions uh, this series is kind of cathartic in a way because you see finally see a family a wealthy family lose like there is some justice in this movie uh in this miniseries i should say so on that basis i liked it if you like succession i mean i wouldn't necessarily compare it to succession succession is very much about in way different tonally but definitely knives out is uh that kind of a family that kind of annoying family where you know, you like to see them get their comeuppance, and this mo- this show, you do get to see that in the best way, in the best way. And it wasn't until the end of episode two, and then maybe the beginning of of three, that I was hooked. It took a little bit to get into it. It sets it up, the structure of it. It's it's the the patriarch of the family, basically confessing all of these things telling this investigator all of these things and it's leading to a big confession um so it's him telling these stories and then we're flashing back and seeing all these things that he's telling the investigator so i I don't know the the structure of this this mini series isn't the best i think they could have done away with that there's many aspects of this i think they could have done away with uh and made it a little bit more streamlined but overall i really did enjoy it but it did take me like a good two episodes before I was really like in it, in it. And you have uh, the gruff and grizzled Mark Hamill in this, uh, which is he's definitely doing a thing. He's making choices with this character. Uh, it's fun to see Mark Hamill in anything. He plays the family lawyer, uh, and uh, you know he's definitely doing a thing, which I appreciate. I I don't know. I I th- there's a lot of interesting characters. In this in this show for sure uh, one of the many things I love about Mike Flanagan's films and miniseries is the cast uh, not only that many of them keep coming back but that he keeps adding actors to the mix so I love seeing so many of the kids from the Midnight Club in this which wasn't really expecting although there is one piece of casting that I did not buy Despite how much I love the actor, despite how much I love seeing them come back to work with Flanagan along with a lot of the other kids from the Midnight Club, uh, the, the character that she is playing, that this person is playing, which I'll get into in spoilers, uh, I don't buy it, but uh, it is what it is. I, it's, it wasn't horrible. It was just, you know, th- just one of a few nitpicks I have with uh, this, this series. Um, And in some ways, this is similar structurally to The Midnight Club, where there's the overall story of The Midnight Club was based on uh this young adult horror writer. I forget the author's name that all of the stories were based on within Midnight Club. Not only the overarching story of The Midnight Club show, but each episode kids would tell ghost stories and each of their ghost well not necessarily ghost stories but stories horror stories scary stories uh each of their own stories were based on another book from the same author so definitely mike flanagan and the people he works with he loves to really take chances right very ambitious with his writings so I absolutely I love that aspect of it. I love how in in this one it's Edgar Allan Poe that is not only the overarching story about the f- the fall of the house of Usher, but also each episode is based on another Edgar Allan Poe book and it's all woven together in mostly a great way. The kills in this are great. Uh, I love there are supernatural elements of this that I I thought worked. Uh, And in the end, when you kind of see the big why everything is why are why is everybody dying? What is the big reveal? Uh, We see the event that was the cause of all that is happening. Uh, It's great at the end, the ending of this really satisfying. Very much like the end of a whodunit where it wraps everything up. It answers all of the questions. I thought it was a a very satisfying end to this miniseries as well. And the fact that all these deaths are shown in flashback, you know, while the patriarch of the family confesses to this DA or investigator. I didn't really like that. I think they could have done without that didn't have to would have been fun just not knowing they were all going to slowly die uh, and constantly going back to this guy which he explains how he's able to tell these stories of his kids dying even though they are in many cases dying alone nobody is there to witness how they died he wasn't there to witness how they died but he's somehow is able to tell these stories like they wouldn't even had to come up with the the excuse for how he was able to do that um i don't know i just think it's it's an unnecessary layer to have all these stories with that framing device but uh you know i think i think it had been told more straightforward uh and the fact that all the kids die you know not told at the beginning of everything i thought that would have I, you know it would have been fun to see them slowly die and go like what is going on which you have that question anyway so that having the whole framing device of him telling these stories is just unnecessary it's not super off-putting i just think it's kind of unnecessary let's take a quick break from the show Listeners, are you ready to take your experience with The Ray Taylor Show to the next level? Dive into Inspired Disorder Plus. For just $5 a month, you unlock a world of premium content that's sure to satisfy your every entertainment and artistic craving. Imagine enjoying The Ray Taylor Show, a full week, completely ad-free, in both audio and video formats. But that's just the tip of the iceberg get exclusive access to the live painting archives, be the first to lay eyes on new releases from the many faces, and enjoy members-only discounts and deals that'll have you coming back for more. With a treasure trove that includes a podcast back catalog boasting 14 unique shows and over 600 episodes, personal insights through my own personal blog, creative writings to spark your imagination, and an interactive ask me anything section inspired disorder plus is a feast for the curious mind ready to elevate your entertainment game head on over to inspired and become a member of an exclusive club dive in indulge and inspire your senses now let's get back to the show but overall i think this miniseries is a win for flanagan i think it's it's mostly uh, a, a fu- i mean it's a lot of fun i love so much of this like it's so interesting so uh you know i'm i'm still a big fan of flanagan uh whether it was watching all of his movies or doing the episode recaps it was a lot of fun um which if you want to hear all those Those are available, my reviews, my episode recaps, my top fives, uh, if you want to hear my thoughts on other Mike Flanagan stuff. Uh, But as far as this review, I do want to talk about specifics. I do want to get into spoilers. So if you don't want to be spoiled on what happens, the specifics of this miniseries, then tune out. Come back. Go watch it. Come back. And if you don't mind, here we are. This is what we're doing. Uh so it's the it's the dad, it's Roderick. Not only do we have so there's Roderick talking to the investigator, there's that level. Then we're flashing back and seeing how all these kids die. We're also flashing back to Roderick in like the late 70s, who was working for this pharmaceutical company, which he ends up owning and is why his family's wealthy there's also a kind of a aspect to this where the family is being held accountable they're in in on trial right now while the kids are dying but they're on trial because they own a pharmaceutical company that is killing people basically like the family that owns oxycontin it's basically that it's a painkiller it's supposed to be non-addictive but of course it is um Right, very much an analog to uh, the oxycontin thing, and that's another aspect. I don't think like it doesn't play a factor in this at all, other than the investigator is there. But you didn't even need the investigator. You could have the investigator, but it's just like the whole courtroom stuff wasn't necessary. The this conversation that they're having unnecessary. But everything else I really did enjoy, right? Uh, and it's not only him telling the investigator how all of his kids died, because very in- very curious. There's also supposedly a mole in the family, which adds paranoia within the family trying to find out. I don't know if we ever find out who the mole is or even if it matters like there are aspects of it that i don't think i think this this mini series in many ways is overly complicated there's too many layers that are just unnecessary and it could have just been more straightforward but you know it is what it is uh And at the end of it, he's like, I'm going to tell you what happened to all my kids. I knew how they die. And then at the end, I'm going to confess to a crime, a legit crime. Right. So by the end of our discussion, you're going to have all the evidence you need to put me away. Right. And it's this big and that's the the end reveal. We find out what that crime is, which is satisfying to find out what that crime is. But we didn't need to have this whole setup of like by the end, there's going to be this great thing. The, also the first episode, not only setting it up with already knowing the kids are going to die, uh, this whole interview that's going on, or this confession that's going on, this court case that's kind of meaningless. We also flash back to Roderick and his sister, who's also plays a big part in this, uh, Madeline, and flashes back to them as kids, and they have a religious mom. And this is basically just to tell... Uh, Edgar Allan Poe story and doesn't really have any bearing on the show the miniseries as a whole it's like a crazy thing that also happened in his life but it's like his mom's super religious refuses to get meds she's sick refuses to get medication she dies for some reason the kids choose to bury her in the front yard right and and in this time when she's sick trying to get medicine trying to they go to ask her boss who is running the this pharmaceutical company she's the secretary for this guy they go to this guy to ask f- him to get medicine for her because she's too stubborn to do it and he refuses to do it and she dies they decide to bury her in the front yard and then come to find out She's not dead, which is a big one of the big themes in a lot of Edgar Allan Poe stuff is premature burials. It is like and which is something that happened in the past just because we didn't know medicine very well. People who have like narcolepsy or maybe they were in a coma or maybe they were just knocked out. They would be buried and they would wake up. That's where the term rest in peace comes from. Right. That's why you would say rest in peace in hopes that they didn't accidentally bury you alive. There's, there's a lot of stories or aspects of Edgar Allan Poe stuff of premature burial. Very big fear at the time. Like They even used to uh, put a little string that was attached to a bell on your tombstone. And the string would be in your coffin. So if you woke up, you could ring the little bell. And hopefully somebody would hear it and dig you up. So that theme of premature burial, these kids bury the mom in the yard and come to find out she isn't dead or she comes back from the dead, whatever kind of changes they want to tweak that. She gets out. Basically, you see the hole; it's a shallow grave, not a very secure coffin either, uh, but she wakes up and then she goes and she goes to kill Longfellow, goes to kill her boss. And the scene where she chokes Longfellow is not a very believable scene. <laughs> it doesn't look like she's choking him at all. It it it, it is very unbelievable. It reminded me of uh, I don't know, just it just I don't know. It it wasn't it wasn't very good. And then come to find out that the whole town covers it up, right? so it, I, I don't know it's just the first episode is so much of that first episode is so meaningless other than the fact that it shows that these kids are willing to the 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 bond that these siblings have with each other uh roderick and madeline aside from showing that it doesn't it's not necessary the mom coming back doesn't matter the because it's like before the the major curse this is just like some side thing that happened in their childhood way before they made the deal with the devil kind of a thing so i don't know it's uh just I, the fact that they decide to bury her and not tell the authorities like keep it a secret doesn't make sense like she died at home she died at home she was sick it's not like they killed her and then sh- her coming back and killing the guy it doesn't do anything it's not like they kill him and then they take over the company the way Roderick gets into the company is completely different I mean he probably gets a job there because his mom worked there at one point but it's it's kind of kind of crazy but they could have completely done without that, I think, too. Uh, during the trial, they find out there's an informant in the family, which the trial isn't a very big thing either going on in this. The fact that it, there's a mole in the family doesn't really play. I, don't, I really don't think they find out who this mole is. It, could, I, it may have just been a bluff, actually, uh, if, I, if I remember correctly um but the trump is very i mean the the family is very much like a trump family it really feels like except for they own a pharmaceutical company um and if like trump had all of his illegitimate f- children with him right which i don't know if he does probably just had them all boarded but you know that's kind of the vibe this family is giving off especially like the older son frederick really kind of has the vibe of a Don Jr. But uh, the, the a lot of those aspects with the court with the mole don't really play in too much. Uh, but I do like how many characters from the Midnight Club you have. Uh, one of the one of the one of the children of the Usher family uh, has these two assistants that were two of the characters from. Midnight Club one of the siblings of the Usher family was one of the kids from Midnight Club uh, Roderick's new wife is played by Ruth Cod, who was my favorite character actor from the Midnight Club and is the aspect of the show that I don't buy I don't buy that he would marry her because obviously the age difference is massive between Roderick Usher and Ruth, Co- Ruth Codd's character. But she is not a, all respect to Ruth Codd, she is not a trophy wife. She is not a trophy wife. She does, however, fit the character, because the character was supposedly in a bad car crash, lost her leg, which Ruth Codd is an amputee. Or I don't know if she's an amputee. She's born without her leg, whatever. She has a prosthetic leg in real life. Played into the Midnight Club uh, movie as well, or show. So casting based on that. And then she was fixed by their magic drugs, right? And she is the proof. She is like the shining proof that their drugs work. So I get that. I still don't think that he would marry her. I, I just, I, for whatever, is the one aspect of the show that I did not buy. There's also, like, Frederick Usher's wife is into making realistic, like, cakes that look like other stuff. Like, is it cake or is it the thing? And there's a scene where she makes a book, like a law book and a coffee cup out of cake. And it is, a- aside from like some weird Netflix cross promotion, which it doesn't, they don't mention the show. Is it cake or whatever that show is, but it's a v- super weird, super unique character trait for Frederick ushers. doesn't play into the story at all. It's like they have a family dinner after the, the trial, they find out there's a mole. They're like, We're going to have a family dinner. They get them all together and they have, they force them all to sign an NDA uh, so if, if they are the mole, they, you know, lose everything, whatever. So. And th- th- there's just like random moment where it's like, Hey, look at the, look at this law book and coffee cup. <gasps> Guess what? They're both cake. It's so weird. And they put a bounty on whoever the informant is only a $50 million bounty. Now, if you're a pharmaceutical, if your family is a pharmaceutical company, probably worth billions of dollars. $50 million to people whose inheritance are probably exponentially more than that seems very low. But whatever. I think the second episode, I believe, is The Mask of the Red Death, which was, spoilers, my favorite uh, of the Roger Corman, Edgar Allan Poe movies. Uh, A great movie. And these episodes, and I don't know how closely based, closely or uh, accurate, how accurate the Roger Corman movies are. I know some of them were more accurate than others to the original writings of Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, Same with this. I don't know how accurate it is, but the Mask of the Red Death episode is pretty great. Let's take a short break from this episode. Hey, loyal listeners of The Ray Taylor Show. You know, it's one thing to tune in and engage with the content I passionately create for you. But what if I told you there's a way to wear your fandom? Introducing our exclusive line of merchandise inspired directly by the vibes and visuals of this very podcast. From stylish t-shirts that'll make you stand out in the crowd to our eco-friendly, biodegradable phone cases... Adorned with artwork inspired by the show, you can now carry a piece of The Ray Taylor Show wherever you go. Whether you're looking to make a fashion statement, protect your phone with some flair, or simply want to show off your love for the show, our merchandise has got you covered. Ready to rock our gear? Head on over to inspiredisorder.com and get yours today. Wear the show, be the vibe. Now let's get back to the show. They're starting to see bodies are being dug up, uh, people that were used in the drug testing for the drug. Uh, we, get some, we get to know some more interesting characters in this family. right? One of the children hires an escort to role play with her husband that they are married so she can watch her husband have sex with an escort that's pretending to be her very weird another one has her two assistants that they all sleep together they have threesomes together uh the another young sibling that's from the midnight club uh, is desperate to create something right probably wants his dad to be proud of him uh you know and so he can say that he's self-made as they all do despite the fact that they're all their businesses that they they are doing all of the things that they are doing comes from family money uh and he wants to create this exclusive kind of orgy rave event thing which he does he uses you know a building that the family owns that's supposed to be that's supposed to be demolished soon he uses it and uh the ho- the main goal of that was to videotape their cameras everywhere were to videotape all of these high end people that show up to this rave party to use as blackmail so very interesting doesn't really play into any of the other part of the movie but it is a great what happens in that episode when it's the sprinklers are supposed to turn on and instead of water it's acid that was up in the the water tanks above the building was that was the moment where i was like oh here we go this is this is amazing And, of course, this sibling invited the cake lady, so she shows up. And, of course, throughout the rest of the season, she's in bandages being drugged by Frederick. It is very brutal what this family does to each other. But we do get some fun kills. There's one where an ape from medical uh, trials kills one of the sisters. We have uh, another guy, Leo Usher, who is a game developer or or hires coders to create games and he takes credit for it uh his partner has a black cat that he ends up killing in like a drugged haze and gets a replacement black cat and this black cat drives him crazy gets him all paranoid leading to him falling out the window uh and and landing on the sidewalk there's a scene where the dad uh, is in his office going over options of how to kill himself as his kids are dying, right? The pills, should I uses this giant sword to commit serpiku on himself, uh, jumping uh, f- from his room in a tall building, is that an option? Which, as an aspect, in hindsight, what you find out what this curse is, is stupid. He's going to kill himself. Like, the reason the kids are dying is because he is going to die. That was the thing, that the kids would... He would be... Have all the success he wanted. He would have all the success, never have to face any repercussions for all the success he had. But the curse is that his family, all of his children will die when he dies. And they're starting to die, so that signifies that he is about to die anyway. So, like, him committing suicide is just, you know, inter- just hurrying up the process. But whatever. It- it's just, I don't know. It In the moment, you don't know it yet. You don't know. It's not till the end where you, you wrap up, where you f- see what this... This uh, devil woman, uh, which I think a oh, great character in this. which kind of confusing seeing this woman show up everywhere. Uh, but by the end, it's great. And they find pictures. There is a great moment where they find pictures of this mystery woman with powerful people throughout history, right? Probably other people that have made deals with her and that's how they got their success. But the stand out of that when they're finding all these pictures with her uh is they're actually good photoshops, which is very rare for like TV shows and movies that photoshop people into old timey pics. You can always kind of tell that they're photoshops. Uh but these photoshops were actually good, which I appreciate as somebody who does photoshop. Um Uh, and there's tons of little Easter eggs in this uh, other Mike Flan, which he does in a lot of his movies and stuff he will have little Easter eggs references to other things that he's worked on uh, other Flanagan films and on on the TV uh, like as they're scrolling through the menu uh, as well as other movies that are also based on Edgar Allan Poe the Raven uh, a pre-code horror movie was on the TV that uh, th- one of the daughters was watching with the mom that's all bandaged up. Similar to the Midnight Mass book that was in uh, or written by the character, the, the deaf uh, home invasion movie. Great movie. I think it's called Hush, maybe. Uh, so there's a lot of Easter egg. He likes doing little Easter eggs and stuff, which I appreciated seeing all those throughout this as well. Uh, one of the... Daughters Tamerlane wants to do a subscription lifestyle thing, right? That's her big idea, self-made idea, quote-unquote. And it's called the Golden Bug presenta- uh, the Golden Bug Service or whatever, membership. And she's doing a presentation for it. And it's a great scene where she's melting down. She's paranoid. She sees the, the, the devil woman uh, in, in places that she's not really there. Uh, ends up throwing the mic stand and hitting Ruth Cod in the audience which I thought was kind of funny right she's yelling at the devil woman lady Verna maybe but sh- nobody else can see her and it looks like she's yelling at her stepmom who's Ruth Cod which is kind of like a-, a funny moment she ends up getting hit by the-, the mic stand but then when she gets home and she's like breaking all the mirrors, and getting glass in her feet and all that stuff. And the final kill with her where she's on the bed and she breaks the glass mirror that's above the bed and it's slow motion and you see her, you know, falling on shards. It is brutal. It is great, that kill scene uh, when she she dies. So there's some pretty great kill scenes in this. Uh, the backstory with the DA and Roderick, I did like that, even though seemingly didn't even need to exist uh but i did like that they had like a history together um and would explain why he would sit and listen to him tell all of these stories right somebody that when they were younger he thought that they were allies he turned his back on roderick tricked him and now many many years later this guy finally is getting the evidence to put them all away And it doesn't really matter because they're all just going to die anyway. Uh, When the Don Jr. character, when uh, Frederick accidentally, like he's drugging his wife that he thought was cheating on him. Giving her nightshade to make her passed out in all of her bandages. And when he finds out that he accidentally put nightshade in with his cocaine... And when he's finally getting that building demolished that his brother died in, the acid party orgy, and you see him pass out after he pees, great. The Pit and the Pendulum, I think is the the name of that, because it's him getting cut with a a pendulum. Pretty great. Uh, And very brutal what he did to his wife. And... I mean, their daughter was pretty smart. It's kind of sad that the the daughter wasn't able to figure things out, but uh, she's great nonetheless. Um, But how it all wraps up is great that they made a deal with this woman, the bartender, on New Year's, right? They get everything they want, but their children die before uh, they all die together, right? Nobody can survive with it. So this kid, the kid's dying is just a sign to Roderick that he is going to die soon as well. Uh, and one of his daughters is trying to work on a heart thing to fix the heart. And it seems like he has a heart disease and that's what he's worried is going to kill him. But it's like, even if like he's trying to find a loophole to out-survive this thing, but... It, the deaths were so varied, him having some heart transplant thing it wouldn't have done anything anyway. I don't know. And one last thing that I really didn't like, that really didn't make any sense, is the fancy bottle that they drink from is so tacky, it does not at all look like an expensive bottle at all. It does seem like something, however, uh, Trump would be into, although it would be probably gold and then bedazzled as well. Look looked like sp- spray painted with gold instead of silver and then bedazzled, but super tacky. Uh, I-, I wish they had just hired a glass blowing artist to come up with an interesting because usually, I mean, we've seen what expensive bottles of alcohol look like. They're usually just basic brown bottles with kind of a label of some kind on them, and they're covered in dust, right? They are not, like, this overly gaudy thing with bedazzled that looks like it was spray-painted and bedazzled. Like, it, the the props department had, like, a, a day and only access to Michael's, and that's what they were—and a, a budget of, like— you know ten dollars you can spend ten dollars make this bottle look super expensive I don't know I didn't like it the end where it shows like the all of the bodies that he's responsible for falling he's in his big tower and it's raining outside you start seeing bodies falling uh, and they represent all the people he's killed over the years I thought it was pretty beautiful pretty perfect Uh, you know pretty great so despite a few minor issues with the series I think overall it was a lot of fun I love seeing these this horrible family get tortured and killed instead of what happens in reality where they would have just paid a fine maybe at most paid a fine no jail time no real punishment just here's pay a little fine and and go keep doing what you're doing Uh, so finally there's some real justice uh, and I can't wait to see what Mike Flanagan. Apparently, this had some issues with it. They had to recast somebody and do a bunch of reshoots with this one. Uh, so maybe that affected it aspects of that in some way. But regardless, I can't wait to see what Mike Flanagan does next. Apparently, I guess he's going to, like, Amazon Prime. He's moving from Netflix to Amazon Prime. to They're going to pay him to produce a bunch of stuff. So who knows? Who knows, if he's doing movies, miniseries, whatever it is, I'm looking forward to it. I like it. Uh, But thank you all for tuning in to this episode of The Ray Taylor Show. I hope you enjoyed my thoughts on the fall of the House of Usher. Don't forget to tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for more movie and TV show reviews. And join the conversation by leaving a comment or rating on your favorite podcast platform or over on YouTube.com slash Inspired Disorder where all of these episodes are available in video form. But until next time,